Hi, everyone. We want to welcome you. Uh, we have a special guest with us today, Pastor Ken Parker. <laughs> uh, it's great to have you, Ken. And uh, where are you joining us from, Ken? Man, I've been all over the country the last couple of weeks. I'm not sure where I am. Let me think for a second. I am in St. George, New Brunswick. Yeah, right on. Brad and Caitlin Crick send their greetings. Yeah, right on. That's they're, so good. Doing a, they're doing a fabulous job here, by the way. Just fabulous. They're knocking it right out of the park. That's so great to hear. Um, so, Ken, why don't you just, uh, just for people that might not know you, uh, tell us where, where did you come from? Maybe, like, not just where you came from geographically, but just tell us, like, a little bit of your background, how, like, where you were born and raised and, like, your family. Yeah. I know where I was born, but I'm not sure where I was raised because I always say my brother and I didn't get raised. We got drug up. We didn't get raised up. We got drug up. Yeah. I was born in uh, North Vancouver and both my parents were in the military and my brother's a year and a half younger than me and he was born in Grotonquin, France. And then um, my folks moved back to the um, Air Force Base in um, Ontario. Now, right now, it slips my mind the name of the town. And um, they split up when I was about four and a half, I think, maybe five. And so my mom moved us, Bruce and I, back to North Vancouver and the rest is history. We, were, we lived in North Vancouver, Prince Rupert, Prince George, um, several places in Prince George. And um, my mom was, uh, before she got saved, she got gloriously saved in the little church building on our speaker boulevard. Right. when when the church was planted it was ed funk was the, the guy who planted your church yeah and you're and, talking uh, about gateway church yeah gateway yeah. yeah yeah ed funk planted it back then i think it was called something different but it he planted that church and then when pastor tim came he you they, they built the building on 20th where you are now and renamed it i think at the same time and uh, so Ed Funk was the pastor there or, and the church planter there at the time. And, and uh, my mom got gloriously saved. But before she was saved, she was a uh, four foot 11, really good looking blonde party animal, serious party animal. She says she got pregnant with me when she was 18 and her life was in a tailspin until she was 38 when she accepted the Lord. So when she accepted the Lord, there was just this, it was really glorious. So, but in the meantime, there were eight men who lived in and out of my house and at 15 i left home i said i had enough can't do this anymore we my brother and i were were very abused growing up hmm. really abused so i lived i hit the streets and I, when i say i lived on the streets i don't mean that i slept every night on the streets streets and i don't mean that i was homeless i mean that i mean i was always i could get something and i was working and whatever but i lived on the streets basically i just spent my time in downtown prince george the croft hotel was my hangout oh. can you believe it the croft <laughs> so anyway um <coughs> yeah that's a little bit excuse me i have a i'm i'm really wicked cold here i told uh greg just before we started recording that my head is as thick as a maritime fog so um so anyway 
Trenton, Ontario. By the way, that's where the military or the Air Force base was in Trenton. So there you go. Is that does that give you a little bit of an idea? Is that yeah, what you're looking for with that? That's, yeah, that's really great. And so, um, like, like that that family background. I mean, that does that sounds like you were like in your life was in a lot of turmoil. So uh, you're married right now. I am. So yeah, you have a five years. Forty-five years. Forty-five. Forty-five. And here's the thing: nobody in my family history, as far as much as I know, and I could be wrong because I don't know really know my family history history very well, because it just was so screwed up. The whole family was screwed up. So as as far as I know, nobody in my family had a first marriage that lasted longer than five years. Wow. And we're married 45 years. That's awesome. Huh. And, you're, and you're smiling about it. Oh, she's a, she's a beautiful lady. I just, I'm, 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 I'm delighted and blessed that I have the beautiful wife that I do. And I'm also, and I hope I can say this when it's understood that it's all been the grace of God, but I'm proud of the fact that we made it yeah. to 45 years, yeah. that, that, that crazy chain, that root, that, that de- that demonic generational stronghold got busted off. It's just yeah. 45 years. My kids know nothing about marriage breakup and stuff in our in their in their upbringing. Yeah. I have no upline. My biological father disowned me when I was 16. There's a big story about that. I when I got married, I went and talked to him. He didn't want to have anything to do with me. And after the birth of each one of my children, I drove out. He was in North Van. I drove out to North Van, tried to reconnect. And he didn't want to reconnect. Never met my wife and kids. And when he died, I found out about it six months later. And my brother got the obituary. He said, did you know this? I said, no. And he said, neither did I. And my, my biological father doesn't even mention us as sons in his, in his obituary. His, we're not even mentioned. And uh, so my kids, like, I only have downline. I don't have upline family. The only family I have is Bruce, my brother. And uh, I don't have any other, I don't know what, any cousins, anybody, I don't have any connection with anybody other than my brother. And uh, yeah, so it was so pretty what, exciting what, to me. What would you say, like, like you, what, what, what made the difference? Oh, without a doubt, it was Jesus. Yeah. And I would say my, like, my brother and I, and he's given me permission to talk about this whenever I feel it's appropriate. So I'm not talking out of turn here about him. My brother and I were on the street together and I was his mentor on the street. He's a year and a half younger than me. And we were violent, very violent. As a matter of fact, Greg, uh, if you were to study my life before conversion, I have all the marks of a sociopath. I had all the marks of a sociopath. Every way you want to describe it, I had them. I don't even want to talk about them because some people might write me off if I start talking about animals. And <laughs> so, like it was bad, really bad. My brother was no different. And uh, when I got saved, he had the same opportunity. Wally Sabell drove out. He had, Ed Funk had asked Wally Sabell, who, who ran Teen Time of Edmonton. And he obviously then he was from Edmonton. And Ed Funk invited him out to do work with youth for a weekend. And on that weekend, and my buddy that I was on the street with, he, he was also, you know, he was raised in a Christian home. His parents, I don't want to mention their name here, but his parents were initial, uh, the first founders, like uh, 
they were founders of Gateway oh, okay. uh, on our speaker and board members and all that kind of stuff. And so anyway, Rick, Rick got right with God and started talking to me and Bruce and uh, I, I accepted the Lord. Bruce did too. <clears throat> but then neither one of us could really grab on because it was just too much of a social shock for us. We couldn't, I just couldn't like, re relate to the culture at all. It was culture shock on steroids for us. And so um, my brother said, my brother said, uh, while Isabel came out to find me on the street, that's a whole other story, but he came out to find me on the street. And when he did, Bruce was with me and, and, uh, and Wally invited us both. I didn't know this until 30 years later that he also invited Bruce, but he invited us both back to the ranch with him. And um, I said, yes, and Bruce said, no. And because I said, yes, and I got my act together, with Jesus and and around Jesus and listening to Jesus and him helping me overcome stuff. Um, my life is what it is today. Bruce often says, I wish I would have said yes when you did, because he went through 30 years of hell. He was a confirmed alcoholic at 14 and his and he was violent, very violent, carried a baseball bat and used it. And uh, he uh, yeah, it was 30 years later. He started to really grab on. As a matter of fact, now he, I've had the privilege of discipling him because of COVID. Because when we back, back when it all started and we were all locked down, and I went online now doing what I'm doing right now, just sat at my living at my kitchen table, and uh, I preached. No, no extras, no props or anything. And and Bruce, he lives in Penticton. He he would get up early in the morning the first time he watched it he said me and carrie that's his wife and she's a sweetheart he says yeah we didn't even get out of bed i put the ipad on my chest and we watched you it was like this ridiculous time just four hour time difference yeah. so it was ridiculous early for him and he watched every week ever since then and and then we would interact about my sermon so he's grown like crazy it's beautiful to see it yeah well, but Jesus, with a, I'd like to say that, you know, somebody could say, oh, well, you know, yeah, Jesus, yeah, whatever. No, I'm very serious. Jesus saved my life. He literally saved my life. Like, um, no joker, no Christianese, no platitudes, no, I would unequivocally, I, it would be interesting to have sociologists and psychologists uh, evaluate our lives, people who really know what they're doing, take me and Bruce together and study our lives we went different paths entirely and and see that they would have to say i'm convinced they would have to say there was a god factor in that yeah and if they didn't they'd be like their heads in the sand yeah that's uh that's uh what the bible says they be transformed by the renewing of your mind eh? yeah yeah and if any man be in christ he's a new creation all yeah. things passing away it doesn't say passed away king james version says all things are passed away and all things have become new mm -hmm. most translations put it uh in the in the present tense all all things uh if any man be in christ all things are passing away all things are becoming new that's what's I mean, that's still going on in my life Fantastic. So we're in a series at our church called Myth Busted. And so we're talking about the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, um, spiritual gifts, 
And so uh, I'm curious to know how you encountered the Holy Spirit. Like what was your experience? Well, the very first one was when I met with um, Wally and Ed. What happened was <laughs> that very first service, I got to tell you, I, I got to tell the story. What happened was um, Rick had been inviting me to church for weeks and I kept saying, no, no, no. And, and I mean, I'm really stoned on Saturday night. I mean, I'm stoned all week, but Saturday night, I'm really stoned. And I was stoned. Uh, finally, Rick says, well, there's this team coming from Prince George, you know, or, or from, sorry, Edmonton. It was the teen time of Edmonton crew. And he said, they got drums and they got, they're our age. And he said, why don't you come check it out? And I said, nah. And then finally, he talked me into it. Like, I, he didn't talk me into it. He bullied me into it. And so I said, <laughs> excuse me. I said, okay. Well, I agreed because I thought they didn't get, get, get him off my back. So the Sunday morning, he phoned me. He said, are you coming? Like, I didn't have a vehicle. He'd have to come pick me up. Are you coming? I said, no, Rick. I'm still flying from last night. I did a whole lot of acid, LSD, for those of you that weren't around in the day. And I mean, I did like a bucket load of it. And I was still like hallucinating really bad. I was tripping to use old vernacular. I was seriously tripping. I'm an old guy now. If I should have my hair long, then you know. So I was tripping. And I said to Rick, no, I'm flying, man. I can't come. He said, no, come anyway. So I went. And I, that was the very first time in my life I heard the gospel. I was 18 years old, never heard the gospel in my life. That night or that morning, I heard the gospel. And I walked out of that meeting with my, like, you know, when you see in a movie where the room's all spinning around, that's what it felt like. My brain felt like, and it wasn't LSD that was doing it. It was like, holy smoke, what is this? What am I going to do with it? So much so that I, I was in a two-bit room and I walked, there was a couple other guys sharing the room. And so I walked from my room over to the laundromat and I phoned Ed Funk, Pastor Ed, from the laundromat because I didn't want my buddies to know that I was calling a preacher. So I walk over to the laundromat and I phone him from the laundromat. And I, when I, when I, he picked up the phone, I said, hello, this is Ken Parker. And he shouted, praise the Lord into the phone. I like, oh, <laughs> and, uh, so I said, I'd, I'd like to come see you sometime this week. He said, well, why don't you come right now? And I said, no, 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 no. I, I, this isn't a good time. I'll come sometime this week. And he said, well, your brother's here. And I said, what's my brother doing there? He said, probably the same thing you want to do. So when, you know, when my head was spinning, Greg, that was the Holy Spirit. Yeah. The whole encounter was the Holy Spirit. So I get out there and long story short, you know, and my brother and a few other of my street buddies and, and couple, a few of the girls, they're in Ed Funk's living room and, and they were leading me into the, into Ed's office Wally and Ed were leading me into his office and I so I didn't get a chance to ask them what they were doing. So anyway, I ended up getting saved. And as a matter of fact, I accepted the Lord in, in that office. And as a matter of fact, uh, my salvation, when you talk about the Holy Spirit, like I couldn't say the name of Jesus as a sacred name. Uh, like I, I could use his name amidst expletives. Yeah but I could not say the name of Jesus. And they said to me, pray and, and pray to Jesus and use his name. And I tried, I couldn't get the word out. I actually needed a level of deliverance right there, just even to accept the Lord. So I accepted the Lord. I came back out and I found out why all of my buddies, all of my, 
my people were <clears throat> were in the um, living room. And I also found out how come Ed, Pastor Ed shouted, praise the Lord, because they were in a circle praying for me on their knees, and they had just said amen, and the phone rang, and it was me <laughs> on the phone. The whole encounter was the Holy Spirit. It was all the Holy Spirit. It was, and by the way, I would say anybody's conversion is that we say, what, what part did the Holy Spirit play? He's the one that pulls it. He's the one that reveals Jesus to us. He's the one that illuminates. He's the, he's the one. But the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. Like, it's the spirit. I don't care who it is. You know, maybe somebody's experience wasn't as dramatic as mine. But when we talk about hearing the voice of God, every person that's a believer has heard the voice of God because they would not have come to him if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit revealing Jesus to them and them hearing the voice of God and saying, yes, Lord. Anybody ever said, yes, Lord, they've heard the Holy Spirit. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a great testimony, Pastor Ken. Um, so, so you're talking about the Holy Spirit uh, revealing Jesus to you. Like, do you did you have an encounter where you were filled with the Holy Spirit? I did. Mine was a very strange experience because two weeks after I got saved, and I was basking in the love of God, and I was helping Ed Funk sweep out the basement of the church on a speaker. And all of a sudden, he stopped and he looked at me, man, I mean, I'm still rough. I'm still on the street, man. I got smokes in my jean jacket pocket. I stink. I could go for three weeks a month without a bath. I had acid in my wallet. And all, he stops and looks at me and he says, looked at me so long that I looked at him and said, what? He said, well, the Lord just spoke to me about you. Well, really, I said, what did he say? Like back then, I said, honestly, what I said was far out. <laughs> <laughs> far out man like god said something to you about me man like for real like we're talking real cheech and chong here <laughs> so he says uh yeah i said what did he say and he said he told me you're gonna go in the ministry so when he told me that when ed funk told me that like now you'd look today and we'll say well that's kind of obvious but it was not obvious when he said it but something in me shifted when it was um now I moved out of just the love of God and started into a performance mode, which I had grown up with trying to please men. Right. And now because I had an assignment. Okay, so if I got to read my Bible, I got to pray, I'm giving you the condensed version of all this. So everything became a matter of a checklist in order to fulfill what God wanted me to do to go into ministry, including Bible school and first first term was a bust total bust quit went back on the street said if this is christianity they can shove it yada yada so <laughs> what once i had oh i shouldn't have said that i i'm at my table so i wasn't thinking about it i just said it pretty clear <laughs> I, I told them what they could do with it <laughs> so <clears throat> but what so what happened is receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit became another one of the things I needed on the checklist. It wasn't about intimacy with Jesus. It was about, I need to talk in tongues because that's in our tribe, that's a qualification to be in the ministry. Now we're not here to debate whether that's right or wrong, what our theology is, but, yeah. but that's what I grew up 
with and as a believer. Yeah. So I was seeking it, man. I was at every prayer meeting and every altar call and, you know, tears running down my face, snot running down my face. I, you know, I heard the words in my head, but I'm thinking, oh, this is just baby talk. And I come down. I'm not letting that go. And, and, uh, Finally, I was in a little prayer meeting in Edmonton with some of my friends that were working with Teen Time, and we were praying for one another for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I received the baptism. I can't say there was some sort of powerful thing that happened to me in the moment, because it was with my checklist. It was another, got that. Right. I got that. But within weeks, there was everything was looking different everything there was a different dimension that i began to be involved in and i knew then so the actual encounter probably was stifled the experience was probably held back a little bit because it was on my checklist it wasn't about you know seeking god it was about seeking tongues yeah and it was a mess for that reason i mean jesus still filled me with his spirit uh, he still baptized me in his spirit but it was i had to go a few weeks to figure out now that this isn't the checklist thing something dynamic has happened in your life and there is a deeper level of intimacy and relationship with jesus i always say that baptism of the holy spirit does not put me on a level where i get to compare with the level of somebody else because somebody else could be way beyond me without experiencing the baptism of the holy spirit as something subsequent to salvation yeah. so it's not about comparisons but it but it individually the baptism of the Holy Spirit raises the level for that individual. Yeah. Yeah. Does that answer well enough? What you look? Yeah, for? that's. I, I think that's fantastic. What a challenge! Because I think sometimes we can we can easily fall into that trap that we're that we're uh, we're working for something, right? And yeah. And uh, the Holy Spirit wants to do something so much bigger in our lives, right? And, and you know what? That lesson that I learned early was probably a good one because, well, not probably, it was a good one because it affected then everything that I received from the Lord after that. It was no longer about uh, qualification, give me qualification for anything. The prophetic, a lot of people in the prophetic, they're competing with one another. Who gets the better word? How do I, you know, and, and there's like this striving for something and it's got nothing to do with just receiving the love of God. And in that he's speaking stuff. It has everything to do with comparing with somebody else. So all the gifts are like that. Actually, our whole entire Christian walk is like that. We all need to shed our performance drivenness. We all need to shed our insecurities when we start talking about moving in the spirit. The insecurities will be magnified if we move in the spirit with our insecurities. I've watched it time and time and time again. And, and the insecurities are what make it so makes it so that we're actually trying um, somehow to perform or outperform or compare or get it up a level. And, and I think, you know what? Yes, Paul said, prophesy according to your measure of faith. So we need to build our faith in it. But so we grow in it. But to say, I saw one time I was in a meeting and, and uh, this guy walked in the door and, and I saw him with a horse collar over his head 
this is in the spirit he didn't literally have it in, in the spirit had a horse collar over his head and on the on the horse collar was written prophetic ministry and this guy was trying his best to pull that thing down onto him he was reaching aggressively trying to pull it down on him. that guy got up in the very meeting i was in and made an absolute idiot of himself like it went sideways it was not good it just was not good at all and uh that's what happens when we we strive to pull stuff down to us like at some point it's going to backfire and it's our insecurities like jesus is more interested in making us whole than he is about how well we prophesy or you know any any of the work of the spirit in our lives wow that's fantastic and so um you're gonna want to do another one of these i can see it coming i'm no, just I'm, I'm just thinking like like we you know we uh i think we can easily fall into that like we really and i and i mean paul even said that for us to desire sure uh, gifts right Spiritual i think they're gifts. like we do want to function we want to be useful to God and we want to make a difference. Right. How do, how do we sort that out? Let Jesus talk to us. One of your questions that you sent to me that you wanted me to ponder a little bit was about uh, how, how do you learn how to hear the voice of God or how do you learn how to, you know, bottom line for me is John 10, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. There's three relationships. And I, in this, I think I'll answer your question. There's three dynamics of relationship that the Holy Spirit has with us. And I don't have time to unpack all this, but there's with, he's with us. Even when we're not saved, he's with every unbeliever. He's with, I don't care how bad that unbeliever is. I don't care how sinful, how corrupt, how vulgar, how crude, whatever, how what, they could be on death row. Jesus is, the Holy Spirit is with them, wooing them, endeavoring to illuminate Jesus to them. So he's with us. He then is in us. And when Jesus was raised from the dead and the disciples were hiding, you know, because they were going to be persecuted and they knew it and they were in hiding. And Jesus walks through the wall into the room like he's resurrected now. And he, there is no time or space to him now. He's, he's in the uh, heavenly realms. And so he walks through the wall, comes in the door or comes in the room. And he said, because they're all terrified. Holy smoke, look, 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 and that's the first time they saw him. He looks at them and he, he says, um, peace be unto you. And then it, by, the Bible says, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. <sighs> receive the Holy Spirit. And, and he said, and uh, even his next breath was, he said, uh, received the Holy Spirit and he breathed on them. And then he said, even as the Father has sent me, so send I you. So every believer, whether they have this baptism or not, they, they have the Holy Spirit in them. He's in them. Yeah. He's in them. And if he's in us, he's trying to transform us. You say, how do you come to that place? Well, you deal with your insecurities on the spot. Like I've been in presbyteries where you gather prophetic voices together and, and I have, I have succumbed to the one-upmanship 
and the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, you're screwed up. He talks to me like that. <laughs> maybe not some little old lady, but I'm. A, he talks to me like who I am. You're screwed up, man. You need to stop this. Now I have a choice. I can either stop or carry on. And I think the Holy Spirit does that with all of us. When we get, I think I submit my life to others, including you. Like if somebody sees something in me that they go, Parker, that's rank. It's really interesting to note that when Paul was dealing with the, the sideways prophetic stuff that was going on and all the sideways stuff in the Corinthian church around the gifts of the spirit, he, he says, the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. And we always take that. We think the words of the prophet are subject to the prophet. They are that. The words are that. They, they are everything subject. But he doesn't say the words of the prophet. He says yeah. the spirit of the prophet So in other, is subject to the prophets. In other words, somebody could have the right words in the wrong spirit. Yeah. And, and if they're in the wrong spirit, that has to stop because you puke that all over everybody. Yeah. When you get up and do it, right? And so we have to have the jam as leaders to say that, you know, your word was good, but man, your, your spirit needs adjustment. Your spirit stinks, man. Yeah. And um, so the so we got within, which is glorious, and then you have the upon relationship with the Holy Spirit, and the upon relationship is that baptism of the Spirit. So I always have the Holy Spirit with me. And then there's levels he comes upon me, depending on the circumstance. But I think we grow out of our insecurities, it, whatever, not just in the gifts of the Spirit, but in our lives by listening to the Holy Spirit. And you know what I think it is, bottom line? It's, it's receiving and embracing the love of God above all else. Because it's the love of God. It's per mature love, John says, casts out all fear. And what is insecurity? What is anxiety? What did pick it? Fear is tied to it. All roads lead to, all um, dark roads lead to fear. Wow. And this is a perfect, mature love, John said in First John, chapter four. Mature love casts out all fear. Oh, so yeah. we need to continually, that's why how I got saved in the first place was I got baptized in the love of God. After that, it became performance. And I, I needed to adjust that. It took me years to do that because I'm, I'm a survivor and I'm a competitor and I'm a guy that's got to, I'll bulldoze my way through anything. But you see, I do all that without the love of God. As a matter of fact, Paul or Jesus talked to the Ephesian church in chapter, Revelation chapter three and said, you've left your first love. And I connect first love to, to 1 John chapter 4, 19. And it says, we love him because he first loved us. That's first love. First love isn't initiated by me. It's initiated by God. While my face is in the dirt and the devil's got his foot on my head and my cheeks got gravel all over it and I'm using the name of Jesus in between expletives, yeah. he came and he initiated and he baptized me in his wow. love. Doesn't that excite you, Greg? Like, that's what it's about. And that's so amazing. And when, when we get all tangled up in trying to perform with gifts of the spirit and whatever, and we lose that, we lose that he's first loved us when we lose that he says man you guys this is serious i want you to come repent and come back to the first works because that church was doing it all they had it all when you read it they had it all 
but they were they missed. He said, you left your first love, so I'm going to take the candles. If you don't repent, I'll take the candlestick out of its place. The candlestick is our right to light. It is what illuminates Jesus. It is our evangelistic zeal. He says, I don't want you exporting what you got right now because it's polluted. I don't want you exporting a prophetic. I don't want you exporting your discernment. I don't want you exporting any of it because you left your first love. And I'm even gonna, if you don't deal with it, I'll even take out your right to share your faith. Wow. When it's illuminated by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So that's how we deal with it. We're not even onto the subjects you wanted to talk, like really dive into. Greg, I hope we're, I hope I'm hitting a bullseye with- I think it's a fantastic, it's a fantastic word, Pastor Ken, and I'm just like reminded how, <coughs> how, uh, um, how much we need Jesus, oh. <laughs> how desperate we are for, for the Holy oh, Lord, Spirit, Jesus. right? Like, like, uh, uh, that, that, that spirit of humility would be in us, that softness uh -huh. would be in us, right? Humility is the operative word. I think humility deals with many things. I think, you know, I think the opposite of the spirit of prophecy is the spirit of divination. And I think there are times when I got into performance drivenness, whether it was in a meeting, like, you know, when I get billed, it doesn't happen quite as much now, COVID, yada, yada. When, when I get, when it goes on the poster and I'm on some platform in some big conference and it's on the poster, uh, prophetic voice ken parker and i get introduced like that well as soon as you, as soon as that happens there is the temptation to fulfill that whether jesus shows up or not because yeah. <laughs> they build me as that so my pride and my ego gets tangled up in it and it's like well that's what they said about me now that and because now i have a reputation in the prophetic and usually the holy spirit shows up with all that once in a while he doesn't and you know why? Just to keep me, what's the word you just used? I'm humble. <laughs> well, God, where were you? Shut up and take it like it is. Yeah, yeah but you made a fool out of me. Uh-huh. That's my plan. Yep. You, that, but I didn't, it didn't accomplish what they thought it should accomplish. And maybe they never invite me back. Do they need to? Yeah. Will they ever use them for people who are in your church? Will they ever use me in the church again? What will what, what happen? Like, how come? Because the Jesus uh, uh, wants to teach us how to walk in humility. Yeah. Humble yourself, therefore, under the hand of God, that he might exalt you in due time. It's not like, okay, I'm going to press in more. I'm going to... I'm not opposed to that. And I think we need to do that. Boy, I think we need to do that. But we need to, under, and same thing, we want to seek spiritual gifts. That fits into this. That That's all there. But what's the motivation for doing it? That's the question. What's my motivation? And I got to start from a base of humility. What you said, on my face before God. If not literally, then, then um, you know, metaphorically. I need to be on my face before God. I gotta be on my face before God. And it's because the spirit, that's one of the ways I test and judge the spirit of somebody who's prophesying. Are they walking in humility? I'm going, Jesus, they're a humble spirit here. Or is this person looking for recognition? That's not a humble spirit. And it's like, and it can happen in our home group meetings. 
and it can happen on platforms. It can happen when I first got saved. It did happen when I first got saved. When after two weeks in, when I told you that little story, yeah. it did start to happen to me. And I did, I did want a reputation. This is a dude who's been on the street and had no, no vision, no goals, no nothing, had knew nothing about anything. And now all of a sudden, Jesus giving me a purpose and a, and, a, and a vision for my life. And I said, I'm going to show everybody I can do this. And now I want the recognition. That's in my flesh. I think I can say for the most part, and I'm 67 now, so I don't have a point to prove anymore. And it's like, whatever rep I got, that's what it's going to be. And then whatever street cred I got, that's what it's going to be. So I, I can honestly say, no, I've had this stuff kicked out of me enough times by Jesus. You heard me, by Jesus. <laughs> that that I, I think I can say I'm pretty close to being, I'm careful because otherwise it kicked me, it knocks some more stuff out of me. I mean, if you don't like the word kick, use the word knock, knock it out of you. Yeah. For me, kick works. But if I'm, so I say this with a, a, a slight reservation. I say, I really don't care anymore. I don't care what they think. I don't care. Because, and now that's not a pride or proud or arrogant thing. It's quite the opposite. It's just like, well, Jesus, if, you want me in St. George, New Brunswick, or you want me with global influence? It's whatever you want, Jesus. I don't care. Right. It becomes more, more about what Jesus wants than what other people want, right? Or what I want. Or what we want. Because <laughs> yeah. I need people to agree with what I want in order for me to get what I want. And herein lies the problem. Yeah. That's where every insecurity shows up. That's where all the anxiety shows up. That's where the performance drivenness has a heyday and fear is multiplied. That's why perfect mature love casts out all casts, fear. Casts out all fear. Because I just, Jesus, I just love you and I know you love me. And what else really matters, Lord? It's all good. Thank you, Pastor Ken, for these words that you've shared. These are words of life, man. You're just bringing some challenge to us. You're bringing some hope to us, man. We're mm. just so, we're so grateful for you. What, what a great mm. friend you are. Um, just as we're coming to a close, uh, can I ask you to pray for uh, the people that are watching this uh, message this morning and, and online? And just, I don't know, however the Holy Spirit would lead you, but we're praying, believing that you would pray a prayer of impartation to people. Mm, love and, and I think probably people that are, you know, battling that battle that you just brought up. Well, we all are at some that level. We, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that we would have that, that uh, soft heart, right? Yeah. I'd love to pray with you. Pastor Greg, and, and for those that are watching, and for those that aren't, that are within your congregation, I, I would like to pray for your people. Yeah, thank you. Love to do that. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. Holy Spirit, I invite you right now to baptize every person watching, every person in the congregation, those that aren't watching. I ask you to baptize them, Holy Spirit, in the love of God. 
That's the biggest impartation we could ever receive, where we don't need to prophesy or hear a prophetic word in order to be sure you love us. When we don't need some gift in order to help convince us that you love us. I ask you to baptize us in your love. Baptize us all. Holy Spirit, come baptize us. I ask for an impartation of the love of God. And Lord, in that, I just felt the Holy Spirit say, just wait a moment. Be filled with the love of God, church. Wow, some of you are getting blasted right now. You're getting toasted by the Holy Spirit. Wow. Wow. Come on, let your, let your junk go. He's showing you junk right now. Let it go, man. Just, you got, gals, guys, let it go. Oh, man, there's somebody that's just in powerfully impacted right now. It's almost like there's strongholds being wrenched out of you as the love of God, as you're baptized in the love of God, and you finally feel safe. Spirit of adoption, would you come? Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Impartation to massive level of impartation of the love of God. <sighs> Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. And it, wow. As you're, I'm going to have, my day's going to be wrecked in a really good way right now. Like, <laughs> <coughs> wow. And Lord, as you're doing that, as people open to you, I ask for the impartation of your spirit at levels where God, the gifts of the spirit and the fruit of the spirit are just so evident. There is just, it's not something clamored for. It's something that's easily accessible. Greg, one of your questions to me was going to be like, so what gifts do I function in? I function in them all, brother. I'm not being smart because I don't get a gift. I get the Holy Spirit. That's right. And the Holy Spirit that's in me has all the gifts. So there are some gifts that characterize my ministry that I function in more than others. But I, I, I've I, all, because I have the Holy Spirit in me, I can honestly say I've, I've exercised all the gifts. Yeah. And that's what I'm praying on you today. When you talk about impartation, I had to just sort of toss that little piece yeah, in there. It's like, because when we talk about impartation, we talk about you being filled with the Holy Spirit. Say, what gift do you want? This, this, Paul said, you know, desire prophecy. But, well, I shall prophesy. But the bottom line is all the gifts are in the Spirit. And the Spirit is in you. Yeah. And you can flow. So I say, be baptized. As, you, as you're baptized in Amen. the Lord, receive the holy spirit be filled with yeah. all the gifts and every level of impartation imaginable for he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask for yes wow amen. i'm done pastor amen wow amen thank you pastor ken ah oh, what a privilege we love you sure i love appreciate you. what you had to share with us today I love you guys. I want to say to you as a church, I love you. I pray for you. I'm, I'm, I'm delighted to see that even in the midst of COVID, you guys are pushing on. I know it's really tough. I know this is horrible stuff. I'll be so glad when this is done, but I'm proud of you. I just want you to know, Pastor Greg, I'm proud of you and Carla. Yeah. I'm, pr I'm proud of your leadership team. I'm proud of those who work around you. I'm proud of you as a congregation. I just got to say, 
I'm proud of you. Just keep trucking, you guys. This so this thing will break. It'll break, and um, and uh, God. But He's been working in your midst, in the midst that's of right. this. That's right. true. This, what we just did right now. Yeah. Is that's Holy Spirit. Okay, I'm done. Now I'm really done. <laughs> I know. <laughs> God bless time. you. God bless you, you, brother. We're gonna welcome Pastor Kimmy to come up. Okay. God bless you. God bless.